Welcome to Lucia Gabriela TV, the place to be where we come to learn everything we can about love, relationships, sensuality, sexuality, and living in our purpose. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Elizabeth D'Alto. She is well known for her raw, honest, and grounded approach to self-help and spirituality. Elizabeth D'Alto is the founder of Wild Soul Movement, author of Untame Yourself, and host of the popular Untamed the Wild Soul Women podcast. She's being a teacher, leader, speaker, coach, and trainer to groups individual for 13 years. And she also consults organizations region from start up to large corporations such as Dove in UK. So thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming to our show. I'm very honored to have you here. And uh, awesome. So uh, please, we want to explore more about Untamed the Wild Soul Women. Um, I know this is one of your projects that you've been doing for a while and it's a whole movement. And I'm so excited that I was introduced to you by one of our colleagues. And um, and it's just I just want to learn more about you and I want to share with you, uh, with our community, the work that you're doing, which is amazing. Cool. Um, so Untamed the Wild Soul is my podcast. And so that's about at the time of recording this, which is April 11th, in a, like six weeks, it'll be our two-year anniversary. So that's been uh, an amazing thing, which originated out of, um, I was doing a symposium with a company called Entheos that doesn't exist anymore. But it was basically, I got to interview 25 amazing women. And the whole theme of it was reclaiming and redefining womanhood for the 21st century. And, and you know, my goal, you know, for me growing up, I was often like shamed for being like too masculine or like not feminine enough or not soft enough. And it really, it wasn't until I started studying feminine archetypes several years ago that I realized that like feminine comes not only in many different shapes and sizes, but many different like qualities and energies. And it also lives in both men and women, like regardless of like gender, sexuality and all that stuff. And so I really wanted to be able to bring women um, all different types of expressions so people could see themselves and others and be like, oh, I'm super feminine. Maybe I'm just like more of like a Durga warrior goddess who's like fierce and not like a softer, lighter, like a, like a Lakshmi or something like that or, you know, however it is that people identify their feminine energy or essence. And so, you know, that's been what uh, the podcast was all about. And then the overall movement is Wild Soul Movement, which... I spent many years working in the fitness industry and it was all about working out. And even in my own journey, I reached a certain point where I just became much more interested in working in, like what was going on under the hood, not just in like the physical external. I realized that um, I thought I was good at listening to my body, but I wasn't listening to my body, I was just paying attention to it. I was putting a lot of attention into like what I was eating, how I was working out and all kinds of stuff like that. Still very like structured masculine stuff and again, I just, had such a huge question mark around like my feminine side and my feminine nature and my right brain, which turns out is like my, it's such an easier place for me to function from. So it was a real big of my own like awakening and getting to know myself that I then again, just like wanted to have conversations and wanted to invite people into the space of discovering that for themselves as well. So beside of you doing a packet, I know that following up on social media, you do a lot of like live events and um, and I can imagine that 
the the blessing of the transformational work that it is you know happens on those events especially when it comes to helping these women um like one of part of your website help them to um to really you know declutter this whole conditioning about like what a woman is supposed to look like and uh, just That's what right. the media tells you that you're supposed to look like and like if you can just share with with us about the experiences because to me, it's very important to share experiences when um, I love to see the women having amazing breakthroughs when they start discovering, you know, the body like, as, as a feminine and as a woman and like whatever that means to them. But uh, but just, just being that whole while. And I love the whole word because it's like juicy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Some people hear the words I use like wild soul or untamed and they think it needs to mean like barefoot screaming naked in the woods and listen for some people maybe that's exactly what you want to do but for some people being wild and untamed it means like having boundaries it means just saying no when you mean no saying yes when you mean yes asking for help when you need it being willing to receive that help when it arrives you know for for some people who've been like people pleasers their whole lives or like put everyone's needs ahead of their own sometimes the most untamed thing they could do is actually just put themselves first um, or like not sacrifice themselves for the benefit of everybody else. So there's a wide range and it really depends on the person. But a lot of it is about um, sensuality. I mean, we hear a lot of people in self-help and personal development and spirituality even talking about presence. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is the easiest and most effective way to get and stay present is to connect with your senses. Mm -hmm. Not even in like a sexual sense, which of course, sensuality and sexuality certainly go together, but sensuality on its own is a really amazing way for any human, not just women, to connect with their own, like their inner nature, their own instincts and intuition, their own connection to the divine, however it is that people experience that, because we all receive that differently. And so a lot of it really centers around cultivating that connection so people can know what that's like for themselves and they can know what things like yes and no feel like in their body. They can know what truth feels like in their body and then they can be more discerning and make better choices for them. Yeah, and that's why I felt like I was drawn to your uh, work because I also love to work in an aspect of sensuality where it's like you can be like right on the inside of your car waiting on the red light and still feel amazingly sensual just by being fully present and be fully aware of all your senses and, and I love that we have that connection there. So in in your type of work, um with like you you travel all around the world and I want to ask you like do you feel that in the Western world, we have lost uh, a lot of our sensuality power because to me, sensuality is a power. And unfortunately, uh, the conditioning, because it's connected to sexuality and sensuality all together and everybody, you know, make a big mess of it. I feel like it has become, you know, people are afraid of their sensuality. Like when they even hear the word, sometimes they just run away from it because and they have so much taboo around itself and to me it's powerful it's just like a very powerful state of being and do you i come from a very latin culture like uh, you know sensuality for us like very nature it's like natural but it's like it's not as you know we're not that still not too openly yeah comparing to america in america sensuality has you know when i came it was like whoa but 
but a different culture. Do yeah. you feel like when you travel a lot, where do you see that like every you know people are more close up about their sensuality? Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Ecuador. Cool. Yeah, I um I was just curious. I was just being nosy. I you know I just got back from seven weeks of traveling, and five of them were in Europe. And, you know, one of the things I noticed in certain places more than others is what is people's relationship to nudity? Like mm -hmm. even, you know, growing up playing sports here in the United States, I remember like being a teenager and being in the locker room and, and like having like all these things I would do and, and so would everybody else to like be able to like change my bra without taking off my shirt. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. why did I care so much if people saw my breasts? Because that some, somewhere I picked up that like, People, even like other women, like who cares, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I notice, you know, when I'm in Europe or I'm in spas and things like that, people are just like out and about, <laughs> naked, like they don't care. Or even I remember when I used to be a personal trainer, sometimes in the locker room, there would be women just like blow drying their hair with like their titties out, like they didn't care. Those women I would notice more often than not were not from the US or they had, um, they were maybe like first generation or something like that in their families. We're not from the United States. So yeah, I think, I think because there's still the presence of so much uh, like Western religion, like the main religions like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and things like that, where women's sexuality, especially like all sexuality is kind of like put in a corner and like be careful about that. But women's sexuality, especially, it's almost communicated as like a dangerous thing or like a dirty thing or like a wrong thing. And I, we see that, I think, a lot in our culture, in the way people relate to their own bodies and other people's bodies. And I think nudity is like one way in which, like even the brand Equinox, which is a high-end gym, a uh, health facility in the US, um, some of their ads are a little edgier because there's like way more nudity than you would see in anything in the US. So it's just, yeah, I do. I do notice that. I think it's super interesting. But of course, I think there's pockets. I think there's, you know, groups of people who are more comfortable. I mean, I've certainly been to places in the U.S. where I remember this one place in Portland. What, what was it called? It was called Brighton Bush. This like hot springs where I mean, I was even like I'm someone who's pretty comfortable with that seven. I was even weirded out because I went to like one of the tubs and it was like a mom and dad and they're like teenage <laughs> daughter. And I'm like, all right, that's that's an edge for me. Like, I definitely would not get into a hot tub with my naked dad. But like, so, that's my edge, right? Like, there's for me that feels wrong, but it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, I, I I I don't see you know we don't share too much about it. Like, I grew up seeing my dad naked and his penis hang around and my brother oh my naked so it was, to me it was so natural and we used to joke and be like hey daddy like, no way. so i think that's i think that's so amazing and probably healthier than what we have here like I actually have this memory of being little and like i just stormed into the bathroom and my dad must have just gotten out of the shower and he was brushing his teeth and he was <laughs> naked and he just like like scooched down to like make sure his penis was like below the counter and i couldn't see it you know so like that right there was where I learned, like, oh, not supposed to see that. So I love, I, I love to hear that, and it feels very foreign to me. At the it, same it, time. It's because I like it's the first time I was saying it in public because I grew up seeing, like, you know, laying in bed, you know, with my dad, and he was naked, you know, 
and we were like just watching TV with him. And he, and he watched Fine Flood. There was no any, you know, it, was, it wasn't like something wrong. It was just natural. Well, because it wasn't Which, sexualized, right? I think yeah, it wasn't sexualized, and it was it was like connection of father and daughter. And people would be like, "What?" Some people yeah. would say, "Like sometimes I even think about like if if I had, God forbid, I had somebody that came to me and told me that that was sexual rape, I would have grown up like grew up saying thinking like my dad sexually raped me because he walk around naked, you know, and and he would be naked in the bed, but I knew it was not because it was just like an experience that it was itself. So just like not, it, it was just a neutral thing, no big deal. It was, wasn't a big deal. So for me, that's why I love these topics of sensuality and sexuality uh -huh. and uh, and relationship because to me, it, it, it helped me. I, I didn't grow up like trying to chase for penis because I needed to learn what a penis was. I knew right. what a penis was. Yeah. I, you know, I you know, I studied sexuality at a very young age, like uh like the esoteric and spiritual aspect of it. But like I, I was just sharing with somebody like you know, I I was virgin until twenty one and then I just didn't know what to do with a penis. So nobody told me what to do with a penis. You knew what it was. You were like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with it. What do you got? What does it do? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so you know, it's like sometimes like you learn so much about it in studies and the spiritual, the energy and all that stuff, but sometimes you don't know what to do with the basics, right? That is so, so that is so fascinating. <laughs> so I'm like the opposite. Like God, hopefully my mom never sees this. But the first time I ever touched a penis, I was eleven or twelve. And I, I, I knew the basics. I knew like I, I mean I didn't have sex or anything like that, but like I knew how to like jerk it off and it was like, okay, I get how this function works. But it wasn't until many years later that I gave my first blow job and I remember being like, ah, I know how to do this with my hand. I don't really know how to do it with my mouth. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you would say that, hopefully your parents didn't see that. Like hopefully my parents don't see this because <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. I mean, they speak Spanish so they would not understand that I'm so safe. <laughs> but, um, but I like when we were talking about porn uh, in my, my, my thread and it's funny because we go from sensuality to sexuality and expressing our, you know, our senses and how, you know, how the you know, how sexuality has been sexualized mm -hmm. and you know, yes, we know we have the knowledge, the wisdom about sexual energy and tantra and all that I study, but I had to rely on, I had to watch a couple porn movies to really know how to give a blowjob to my yeah. husband. I didn't even know, I didn't even know what to do. I remember when I used to work in, in New York in the beauty industry, and I used to uh, remember one of my colleagues, a colorist, she said, like, you just had to get an ice cream cone. <laughs> you start to play with an ice cream cone. Oh, my God. I have, a, I had a girlfriend. So I remember this was the summer, I think, between my sophomore and junior year of high school. We were actually in Spain. And one of my girlfriends had just, like, had a boyfriend for, like, a longer time than, like, anyone else. So, like, she had done it. And I literally remember her taking, it was, like, a bottle of, like, conditioner, like, face wash or something, and, like, like showing us, like, what to do, like, how to hold it, like, what to do with your mouth. And, like, yeah. I remember, like, looking up video, like, literally videos, like, reading. Like, thank God for the Internet. And, like, back then it wasn't as easy to, like, yes. find, like, how do you actually give a blowjob? And... I remember being shamed for it um, in one of my earlier relationships because it like wasn't as good as like his last girlfriend. 
Mm. And I'm like, cool, then like, tell me what you want me to do. Cause like, I don't have one of these, so I don't know what feels good. So like, instead of being an asshole, how about you just help me and like, tell me what would feel better. Yes, and that's why I feel like, I do feel that um, we are living, um, not just in, a, in America, but in a different part of the world that it, it, it's unfortunately like we don't have the type of education at a consensual age time, you know, like where you're like, okay, 18, 19, you're getting out of high school. But uh, we don't have the type of education where we're like, okay, this is what you do with a penis, this is what you do with a vagina, this is how you do a penis massage, this is how you do vagina massage. And it's sad because like kids are having uh, sexual, inter inter and not intercourse, but sexual interaction in women and having sexual interaction at a very young age, at the age of 12 or 14, and but they don't know nothing. Like they just go and explore without, and that's what we have like the whole thing about the shame. Yeah. And, and it's not treated as sacred. And and mm -hmm. people are not taught about consent and boundaries. And, and I think a lot for women, I'd be curious just coming from a different culture if this was your experience, but I know for sure in my, many of my earlier, I would say probably the first, damn, probably like 13, 14, maybe even 15 years of being sexually active, it was all about like performing and or pleasing the guy. Mm -hmm. I had no, well, this isn't necessarily true. I had been masturbating for a really long time. I was like connected to like creating my own pleasure but mm -hmm. it was sure even in my own relationship to myself, it was like very like outcome oriented. Yes. And not necessarily like actually deepening into the pleasure of it and like understanding the energetics of it. But then in relationship to men, it was mm -hmm. more about like pleasing them and like all about them and like doing it right. And not necessarily like I used to fake orgasms. I, I haven't done that in many, many years. And I didn't realize at the time I was like, Oh, I should just like, pretend he's doing a good job so he doesn't feel bad or yeah. like I just really want this to be over so let me pretend I'm done you know like geez not good like you're not, not honest you, you're, you're not the only one like I think that we a lot we we many of us we go there yeah uh, and I tell you I um you know, I I didn't know how to give a blow job until I was like 20 27 26 27 and I actually didn't even touch myself maybe until I was in my 29 because I have this expectation that I, I was, you know, unfortunately I had this belief that my sexuality was, you know, it was my partner's job. Yeah, that for me wow. to feel fulfilled and to please that my job, the only way that I would have sex it, it was my husband's job to give me sex. <laughs> oh my God. So Maybe that's why we broke up. <laughs> I know you're interviewing me, but I got to ask you a question. Why, do you remember why you thought that? Like, where did you learn that? Like, why did you think that that was the way? Because I, you know, when I'm looking at my past, I, I didn't, I didn't, my mom was, you know, she would have sex with my dad, right? And sometimes, I, you know, as a child, like we're just sneaking in, like, whoa, what are they doing? What are they doing? But <laughs> I, <laughs> and then I would see my mom having sex with my dad. But it was like, just to me, it had always been an inspiration. I just wanted to learn and stuff like that. And I would see things. But it was always about 
uh, like you said, faking the orgasm. Uh, it like it would demand the the guy doing. I never really had. My mom never came up to me and talked to me about masturbation because honestly, oh, right. she's sixty-five years old and she has never masturbated herself. Wow. How do you, you asked her? Yeah, like you know, this is my work now. <laughs> like, I love, oh my god, I love that. That's and, so and, and I go and I go there. So when you talk to my mom, my aunt, my grandmothers, and everything, it is something prohibited that they never had done it. Like they don't talk about it. What are their reactions like when you ask them about that stuff? Ooh, 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 what? Dad, Dad, do you know, talk about this stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I do. I actually do talk about this. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I, think, like, I talk about it on the Internet, actually. And they're like, oh, God. <laughs> something that they will never forget. But it was, it was something that they, uh, I didn't know that it existed. I knew that um, a man will have sex with a woman. I know that part. But even in, when I talk about, like, studying sexuality at a very young age like that wasn't even in a book neither no. you know it was all about couple relationship sexuality and the woman pleasing the man and not even you know you you hear about men pleasing themselves with masturbation because i remember you know my my brother talking about it the old my older brother but i didn't have a my older sister's like one year older than me or so so I really didn't have any role model about self-pleasure. And that's something that I love the work that you and I were doing in many levels is the empowerment of women to allow themselves to explore sexually yeah. and pleasure themselves sexually, which it helped you to untame yourself, like that whole, like, yeah. I call it orgasmic liberation of just being your full essence. Yeah, you know, it's really funny because I'm, I'm also, I'm loving this conversation because these are some things that, um, just came up for me recently, actually. I started using the jade egg. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I when I say started using a jade egg, like, let me not, I just don't want anyone to be under the impression that I, like, fully know what I'm doing with that thing, yet I don't. <laughs> I just signed up, actually, for my friend Layla Martin has a course. I'm like, great, she can tell me what to do. But what I my like instinct, too. Cool. My instinct told me to put it in before I went to sleep. Yes. And so that's what I did. And that night, the first night that I did that, I had a dream about actually one of my very first sexual encounters when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. And just that, that was literally only like a, two weeks ago. And so what that brought up for me was looking back at like these roots of things in my sexuality and being like, where did I get the messages that something was okay and something wasn't? So I'm now remembering what you just said back in middle school as well. Um, once my guy friends started like masturbating, they like talked about it all the time. Like it was totally okay for dudes to like make this motion and like pretend they were jerking off. But like, meanwhile, I had been masturbating probably since I was like 10, but I would never tell anyone. It would be mortifying. It was like this very like shame, shouldn't be doing it. And actually I remember um, I was raised Catholic. And so I still at the time like actually thought it was a sin. So I remember every time I would do it, I would actually say this prayer called the act of contrition afterwards because I like knew I had just sinned, which like, let's talk about how sincere that was. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going <laughs> to just do whatever I want, but then I'm just going to say the prayer to erase it. Like I, that's not what that was intended for either. But like in my little adolescent self, that's how I was just misusing all of the things. Well, one of the uh, in one of the retreat intensive retreat that I did with um, Monique Darling that you may know her and Peter mm -hmm. Peterson and uh, 
and we had Pamela Mason, and um, she talked about pleasure, and she also talked about the movement, like because she did the whole lotus uh, meditation, which is like the pleasure, where you actually are in like we going, you go your body, you know, you're you actually you clicker is right on the wherever you're touching, and you like you can you know you can feel the clicker being like you know touch, and then your whole vagina is being pressure and then you you can start feeling the energy start moving and being aroused and it is just fascinating to see that at a very young age we do this as girls and oh. it's taking away from us i remember i have run a couple of moms groups in new york and i remember one of my friends who was very open-minded to my belief because i was like she was so close-minded and other things but when it comes to her daughter she was like three years old and her daughter would be like this in the car seat <laughs> and she would be, if she were talking about it, she's like, you know, she's just masturbating herself in the car seat. And I was like, whoa, like, we still, you know, at very young age, we are looking for uh, for that exploration. And unfortunately, depending wherever we are, what culture we have, uh, what background, uh, sometimes some of us don't know. Like, I, I could say, like, honestly and vulnerably, I didn't know how to pleasure myself until I started watching some porn videos. And I was like, oh, that's what you do. You have, yeah. you can't believe it. I have to take notes. Okay. Yeah. You think that you yeah, I mean, obviously, little kids don't know what they're doing. No. They don't have context for it, which is actually kind of like our proof that it is just a natural thing. It's a primal thing, and it's yeah. not a dirty thing. And I mean, I've had several women in programs and groups and workshops over the years who their very first experience of sexual shame was they were just like touching themselves or they were with a friend and they were like kind of exploring or doing something, whether that friend was a boy or a girl, but they were literally, it was just like that childlike curiosity. Like, yeah. what does that thing do? What happens when I put my finger in there? Like nothing, nothing profane, nothing like quote unquote dirty. And their parents just like slapped it down and they were just shamed because the adult mind sexualizing that was like, that's wrong. But the little kid not even knowing what sex is, is like, I, I don't understand. But okay, now I know that I'm wrong and I'm bad if I do anything like that. So that's a, I think that's a core story for a lot of people. Yeah. So when we're talking about untamed wild soul women, um, I, I, I can feel by just speaking to you that sensuality and sexuality is like one of the biggest things uh, that you see a lot that women liberate themselves. That's yeah. something that is the, the core of it. Yeah, I mean, it just comes up by nature. So I'm more, I'm more about starting with the body. I'm more about helping a woman realize that like her body is like a miraculous work of art. It's like the seat of creation. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's not here to please anyone else. Like there's so much available. The body is a genius. Like the brain is a genius, but the body, there's so much untapped information in there. So the core of all of it is like building this relationship with your own self and your own body. That's like this wild love affair that helps you to connect to your soul, helps you connect to your higher self and all of those things. And then of course, naturally through that, you know, sex comes up, sensuality comes up, all these other things come up, all the issues, right? All the issues, all the traumas. Like I have a couple of my people on tap that I recommend, you know, when people's trauma and stuff comes up. Because once you go into the body, you're going to unlock energy. You're going to unlock memories. You're going to unlock mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff that might have been sitting there dormant. So I have mm -hmm. my like trauma people that I have on like 
go talk to this person because that's out of my scope of practice. But um, yeah, a lot gets, once we get into the body and start communing with ourselves in that way and discovering what's always been there under the hood, all kinds of stuff becomes available. And some of it's beautiful, miraculous, but sometimes there's some actual really important healing work to do before we can get to the beautiful and the miraculous. Hmm. Yeah, so I want to point out for some of our viewers who are talking about getting back into the trauma, uh, pretty much Elizabeth was pointing out is what we talk here a lot in uh, Lucia Gabriela TV is that our body stir uh, stir uh, trauma, you know, from like emotional trauma, sexual trauma, any kind of trauma, it gets here in the body. And we have the practice of somatic, uh, somatic work where you yeah, actually yeah. go into the body and you work with the body and it help you to release whatever is whatever energy is stuck. And he did it like thanks to the scientific work of Wilhelm Reich that uh, proved that you know the, when the muscle tends because the energy is stuck and the energy is stuck is because there is a, there's an emotion or a trauma, uh, you know, defense that has created. So when the body feels so 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 tight, and he talks about a different archetype of trauma. When the body so 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 tight because there's some kind of like uh, trauma in the childhood in the child self that when you work at a very deep level with the body with the muscle itself and some organs you're able to open the channels and when we bring the eastern um well we talk about the meridians and we talk about you know uh the the, the whole channel of the 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 chi energy so when you allow the muscle to open up the flow of energy goes through the whole body and the, the emotion itself has been released and the body get back into uh, homeostasis, like proper functioning and balancing. So that's what Elizabeth is referring to. And I definitely recommend many, many, many people to, to do this work because it, we're not just working with the mindset and the conditioning, but also we're working with emotions and we need to work in a very integrative way. So very holistic way. Um, yeah. So I know that um, many women um, have these, uh, and we may be in the same realm of the question, like the conversation with the wild soul, you know, um, and, you know I'm taming your wild soul. We are living times where women are becoming the entrepreneurs of their life. And I know there's a topic that you may be passionate about too. And sexuality and money goes together. <laughs> That's why I'm like coming to this realm. And how do you see that these women liberation, uh, like help you know, untaming to the wild, powerful essence, help them in their business? Like, like in your uh, in your years of experience and running so many programs, like if you want to give us some like aha moment or like. Yeah. Yes, talk about that. Like the whole when you untame yourself, like in all your essence, how great it is for business. Put it this way. <laughs> uh, amazing, because um, and part of it is again getting into that body connection. You know, whether it's that you're just like strengthening your own connection to yourself. Um, you've used the word holistic a couple of times. This is really important. We need to get all the different aspects of ourselves in alignment mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually, sensually. Because when one piece of that puzzle is out of alignment, like it's, it's kind of hard for everything to flow. 
And it doesn't all have to be in alignment at once. It's not like we need to do all these things first, but often when we're bumping into challenges in our business, it's because we don't feel safe. And if we don't feel safe, what do we not feel safe with? For a lot of women, it's two big things, using their voice and being seen, the visibility thing. And for a lot of people, why is that? Well, maybe they grew up in the house where like, they weren't allowed to speak up or they would talk and someone would tell them to shut up. Or maybe, you know, they had like some, something happen at some point where they did speak up and they were wrong or like, who knows? There's like a gajillion reasons why someone might feel like their voice isn't, isn't powerful, isn't worthy of being heard and they, they worry about like, what if I say or do the wrong thing, right? And then the visibility thing. For some people, that's very scary for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of which is just literally culturally. Some women are like holding themselves up to these standards of like fitness models, women in magazines, celebrities, you know, so many of whom they've seen like airbrushed or they've gotten all this work done. Like it's not like a natural presentation. You know what I mean? So they're judging themselves. They're comparing themselves to other people. So these are the types of things. But when someone can really connect with themselves and really cultivate like the faith and the trust and like, who they are as a human, not just like this, this, this beauty-based thing for other people to judge or consume, mm -hmm. then they can come into like this really core essence and power where you know that like, listen, I can show up, I'm not gonna be for everyone, not everyone's gonna think I'm attractive, and I don't give a shit. Like I'm here to serve, I'm here to help people. And so if I'm in my own integrity and if I'm in alignment with what I'm here to do, well then yeah, the people who show up that do like want to get on board with this, they will and everyone else can like go do their own thing to each their own, you know what I mean? So, you know, those are the things. It's like that self-love, the self-respect, the self-trust, the self-acceptance. Those are like huge. I just gave a talk at, um, pretty big conference recently. It was the biggest stage I've been on in years. It was like a thousand people. And, you know, I talked about untamed self-love and those were the aspects of it. It was self-respect, self-trust, self-awareness, self-knowledge, self-acceptance, mm -hmm. not necessarily in that order. Right. And, and that's entrepreneurship is just like anything else. It's like romantic partnership. It's like having a kid. It's a freaking spiritual path because you are gonna be faced with all of your shit. It's all gonna come up. Your worthiness, fears of all varieties. Like, so it's really, it's, it's a super worthwhile endeavor. I don't think everyone is built for it. I think a lot of people try to force themselves to do it because they think it's like the more evolved way to live or whatever, but some people are actually, I think, better built and better off to have support roles for, in other people's businesses or organizations, but certainly, uh, for those who are like really into it, it's it's like anything else. Mega growth path. And coming from um, you know, I'm like what you said about um being seen and being heard, like I'm in like my newbie state right now, and it's such an honor having you here because you have a you have a pad already doing this for a while, longer than me, and also you have a big following. So sometimes it could be a little intimidating, like, well, my goodness, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I like, here you have to shake it off and just shake it. And <clears throat> I love that. And it's all relative, because like this morning, I was just, like you say to me, I have a big following. I interviewed for my podcast this morning, Danielle Laporte. I don't know if you know who she is. Yeah, of course. The following is probably like 50, 20, 50 times the size of mine, right? So it's like, it's all relative. And yeah. something I always like to remind people on that note is 
when things are <clears throat> online, we don't actually picture them. But like, so for example, I was on Instagram this morning. I have like 12,000 followers on Instagram. Cool. I could go look at Danielle Laporte's page and she has like a couple hundred thousand. And, I <laughs> yeah, think, I and if I were to make that comparison, like I'm going to end up feeling like shit. So I don't do that. I go, wow, 12,000 people. What would that look like in a football stadium? Well, damn, there's like some venues that 12,000 people wouldn't even fit in there. You know, like I'd be like selling out Madison Square Garden or something. I don't know the actual numbers, but I do always like to remind people that those 12,000 people are like individual humans with like goals and dreams and families and fears, just like we have, you know, it's not just like another person on my email list that like doesn't have a name or a face, you know? Mm, yeah, that's why I, I love like uh, real interaction with my community. Though, even though I have like a small community, I do like to have like like a very personal connection with yes. them. And I'm like, you said like about the stadium, oh, I will have like a nice, because I with a couple of different people that I have. So I'm like, oh, good, I'm like, good. But thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing that because um, going into this spiritual um, journey, which is entrepreneurship, and and especially for us that we tap in into a topic of sensuality and helping women to be in a sensual self, it can be a very um, the hurdle to jump. It could be a little more fiery because we also, in my case too, I'm like dealing with. A topic that a lot of people still have a taboo and against it and I remember one of my first YouTube videos somebody I had a shirt I didn't wear it this but I had like a shirt that you couldn't even see my my cleavage I made this comment on my YouTube video if you want to teach about sexuality go cover yourself in like a whole snoo <laughs> a snowsuit and then talk about sexuality and I'm like wow that's a hater right there. But yeah. um, <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, wow. So when you're talking about being seen and being heard, yeah, it is a path that it is very, um, I would say like the hell, like, right? Like the fire, like the firewalk, right? Like we totally. do the firework. Yeah. And, and it is a, it's a, to me, it's a, like also a liberating um, experience that I'm still coming out of it because believe it or not, like two years ago, I was like freaking out. I just posted my first YouTube video. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to be seen. I'm going to be like, ah. I'm like, ah, and press it and boom, I just run away. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I deal with it later. Oh but uh, I had to do that because I was talking about sexuality and all that stuff. I was like, whoa, that was. Yeah, it's like you weren't like warming up. I got to warm up in like fitness. Like, fitness <laughs> is like mild. And then I decided to move into the entertainment. But like, you came out hot. You were like, we're going straight for the topic that people aren't supposed to talk about sex. Yes. And I come from, um, okay, so my background in Ecuador. Yeah, we know that. But in New York, I used to be a math color. So I used to do beautiful hair. Oh, cool. And fixed everybody's hair, messed up, right? <laughs> Mixed up at home. And we, we used to talk a lot about sexuality, and that was one of my biggest things. Like, I would talk about it, and like, even though I didn't know about it, I would talk what I knew about it, but yeah. I would be so curious to explore the other thing. So it was a very challenging, it was a very interesting journey for me to, three years ago, to launch myself and start talking about orgasmic love and talking about sexuality, and uh, it has been a very interesting journey. So, 
I love what you said about, you know, looking at Daniela Porter, which also I love. And uh, she, uh, I love uh, how vulnerable she was when she went to the IIN um, event one time and she shared her vulnerability of what happened to her and her business, which is an amazing story. Uh, how she, you know, she crashed and then like, you know, they took her business away and then she had to rebuild everything. And, and it was such a like admire, you know, she's just such an admire being. How can you, how do you deal, besides what you said before, how, how do you deal with comparing yourself? Because the whole thing about not being, I don't want to be seen, I don't want to be heard, but I do want this in my life, I do want to help people, but I'm so afraid of this, but at the same time, you add up the, comp, you know, comparing yourself. What can people do? Like, what can women do? Like, yeah, what would you I, be I your advice? Um, I would just, don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to former versions of yourself. So then it's a form of actually measuring backwards and being able to go, oh, snap, look how far I've come. Because literally, when we go to compare ourselves to other people, so for example, if I will stick with Danielle Laporte. Danielle has been at her business many years longer than I have. So if I'm going to compare myself to Danielle, I actually have to figure out like at what point I am in my timeline and then look back to see when she was where I am in my timeline to actually make a fair comparison. Hmm. I would want to do like if it was actually going to be a fair comparison, that's not like self like violent. That's yeah. what I'd want to do. But most people aren't doing that due diligence. They're going, oh, I'm in like chapter two of this journey. She's in chapter 17, but I'm going to compare my chapter two to her chapter 17. You're always, that's gonna have one outcome. You're probably gonna feel like shit. I mean, it's the only possible outcome. So why are we doing that to ourselves? We only compare, we do one of two things. We're gonna compare up and then feel like crap, or we're gonna compare down so we can feel superior. Neither one of us, neither one of those choices is actually giving us a fair assessment of what's actually going on. So we might as well just stay in our own lane, focus on where we are, really appreciate how far we've come, not judge ourselves on every, cause like we're all so unique, right? Like I have a background in sales and marketing. That was like my very first job when I was 19 years old. So I actually came into the entrepreneurship thing with a whole load of skills that a lot of people don't have when they come into it. So some of the places where I've been able to be successful and not get stuck where other people do are because I had some training in it. So, but if you're comparing yourself to me, not knowing that I had that training, you're really going to feel like shit. You're like, how is she so good at writing copy? Because like, I know sales and marketing. I know how to talk to people, you know? Whereas maybe someone has no training in that. So that's another really important thing. Again, if you're gonna, if you wanna compare anything, compare your training, compare what you know, compare like the actual path you've been walking on, not necessarily the outcomes. Because it's just like, we're often comparing things that aren't even the same. It's like apples and oranges. Does that make sense? I love it. I really, so, really, really appreciate it. So first that. of all, I would just say, don't do it. But I know human nature, you're going to freaking do it anyway. So if you're going <laughs> to yeah. do it, be smart about it and be reasonable. This is a good place to actually, I'm not a huge fan of reason. It's not often that I will be like, oh, be logical, be reasonable. But this is a place to do it. This is a place to go, am I comparing? Am I even making an even comparison? Or am I just like setting myself up to feel like total crap or feel like superior, which also isn't necessarily warranted or helpful, you know? It kind of that very, very helpful, not just for me, because uh, I'm very vulnerable all the time. I'm always going to be comparing myself no matter, I don't know, like, I don't know when I'm going to transcend this, but I hope that I transcend it one time. <laughs> but it's, it's beautiful because it helps you to really be like analytical about it. Like, 
the whole chapter is like really a great metaphor and it's like it's true it's the training like and what i love what you said is that um it's if we're gonna you know I, I, what came up to me like wow yeah you're right if we're gonna compare in our stuff not just in a professional field but even like oh the grass is greener on the other side and our relationship our sexuality and all that stuff mm -hmm. it's important to really uh ask the questions and reach uh reach, um research the person background of what kind of training they have on that because totally. it is important to know that it's like it really was like, for me it was like a hot moment where like well yeah it's just right i like that and yeah. the more you practice i feel like the more you because like you said we're going to be comparing ourselves in all areas of our life bodies uh relationship sexuality business we're going to be comparing so if we're going to be comparing, do your research, and then maybe by the third time you're comparing yourself, you're going to get over it because it's taking yeah. so much time to it's do the research. It's a waste. And the other thing is you also have to consider your nature. So yeah. if you're going to compare yourself, compare yourself to someone who's very similar to you. So, for example, one of my early mentors was Marie Forleo, and that was a really good mentor for me because Marie and I are very, very similar. Like... Personality-wise, and Myers-Briggs, both ENFJs, like both out, outgoing, like that, like New York, New Jersey vibe, like silly and goofy, like very similar. So it was really that was a good match for me. But if I were someone like really introverted, really shy, not outspoken, and not kind of like sassy, that probably wouldn't have been a great mentor for me in terms of comparison because I'd be wanting to be all these things that aren't actually in my nature, you know. Like find someone like a Chris Gillibo who's like a super introvert, but he like writes books and he does like open up and do speaking gigs sometimes. Like find someone similar to you, if that makes sense. Um, or whose like personality is similar. So, I mean, at least there's like a fair playing field. And I'll make another analogy that'll make this make sense. When I was younger, I remember I used to look at like fitness magazines and things like that and like wish to look a certain way. But the fact of the matter is like I'm five foot three. I'm Italian and Puerto Rican. Like, I'm an athletic, curvier build. I'm never gonna look like a freaking Victoria's Secret angel who's five foot 10 and has this really long, like I have a short torso, I have big boobs. Like, I'm never, there's no amount of food or exercise that's ever, or even surgery, that's gonna make me look like a woman who's five foot 10 with like a long torso and like B cup boobs. It's just not gonna happen. So me comparing myself to her is like, makes no sense whatsoever yeah i love it i didn't know you were puerto rican yeah. <laughs> My dad's awesome. the family. and you know i, I want to say one more thing on this so you could tell like getting really fired up and going on a soapbox but it's, i think it's really important because a lot of people do this the other thing is this even if you do your research on people most people you're never getting some things are just private as they should be and so whatever information you don't have most people when they're doing the comparison thing are tending to fill in the blanks on the information they don't have positively in the other person's favor. They're mm -hmm. usually making all kinds of assumptions. And I'll give you another example to that. I got out of a relationship like six, seven months ago. And a lot of times during my relationship, I'd have people being like, oh my God, I wish I had what you had. And I'd be like, yo, there's some shit that goes on behind the scenes here that I don't think you would want to have. But like, <coughs> it's private. So I'm not like talking about it publicly, you know? But it's mm -hmm. like, just be really careful. Like, 
comparison is usually like a zero-sum game. It's like very, very rarely is there going to be a circumstance under which you're going to come out of that like feeling good or better about yourself. So uh, with everything that we have said, pretty much like don't even get it. <laughs> yeah, just do your best to not to like just really try to stop stop that. Yeah, because all the time, energy, resources, and effort that you put into comparing yourself and doing the research and trying to figure it out, fill in the blank, and going with the whole. It, it, it can it, it become also a very traumatic experience and at one point you're going to have to get over it. Yeah, it's like a freaking waste of time. Might as well just get back in your own lane, put one foot in front of the other, move your feet while you pray, take your actions that move you closer to what you want and like don't worry about what other people are doing. Awesome. I love our conversation today. It has been so uh, inspirational, interactive and very, very loving. Um, so. Before we wrap it up, what, where, what, where, like, where our community can find you, and what do you have going on so they can? Um... Yeah. Um. So I have, I have, you know, I have a couple of different websites. I'm on all the social medias. So here's the thing. Um, where I always send people to first, like, especially if you like conversations like this, is go to the podcast. It's if you just search my name, Elizabeth Dialto or Liz Dialto in iTunes or any like the podcast listener things. You'll find it. Untame the Wild Soul will come up. That's a great place to start. Like on the day we're recording this, we just posted episode number 163 yesterday. So there's just so much, like there's so much there. Lots and lots of juicy conversations. Um, I'm on social media. Everything is at Liz Dialto on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, and then everything else is hubbed at untameyourself.com. So um, in terms of what we've got going on, um, I created my first Oracle deck this year. That'll be coming out, the Wild Soul Oracle, in June. Also. <laughs> running our first um, weekend workshops, Wild Soul Movement weekend workshops, which um, those are at wildsoulmovement.com forward slash 2017 workshops. And we've got uh, San Diego, Vancouver, Toronto, Salt Lake City, and probably in September, I might do one in Miami as well. So we're oh, doing cool. at least four or five of those this year. And then, yeah, like we just, we have so many resources. Like you mentioned earlier, I've been doing this for a while. So I have a book. That's at untameyourself.com slash Amazon. So you know what? You can't go wrong. Start somewhere if you're interested, and you'll come down the wild soul rabbit hole and land wherever it is that you need to be. Awesome. And uh, when you come to Miami, uh, I will keep in touch with you because I oh, live in South Florida, Florida. No, I'm in South oh, Florida. I'm like three hours away. So. Oh, my God. That would be so fun to have you there. So I'll make yeah. sure you know what we've got going on if we decide to do that. Cool, awesome. So I appreciate it so much, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for uh, saying yes to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you to all our viewers for tuning in today. Um, for all of you who are watching the recording, thank you for joining us. If you want to learn more about our event, our programs, and our retreat, you go to luciagabriela.com. That's where we hang out all the time. So I love you so much. Mm -hmm. Love you. Thank everyone. you. Bye. Have a great one, everyone. Bye.